We're not just using the same acquisition channels and outreach and going after the same list or the same automations. I'm spending time cultivating that community here, but it's also helping me build my network. Best ever listeners, before today's episode, I want to invite you to join us in Keystone, Colorado, February 20th through 22nd. It is the 2020 Best Ever Conference. And not only do I want to invite you to join us, I want to invite you to earn 15% for every ticket that you're responsible for selling should you join as an affiliate for the conference. Great way to earn money. And also, if you're planning on attending, great way to pay for your ticket, essentially. You get enough sales. So you can go to BEC20.com. And in the top left corner, it says earn 15% as an affiliate. You can click that, join the affiliate program, and you got all the resources that you need to share the good word about the Best Ever Conference in Keystone, Colorado. And we will be talking more about this on future episodes. But for now, go check out BEC20.com and that affiliate page. You can earn 15% as an affiliate, and we will see you in Keystone, Colorado. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast where we only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Brandon Barnes. How you doing, Brandon? Hey, I'm well. How are you doing? I am doing well, and... I'm glad to be catching up with you again. Brandon was on the show, and best ever listeners, you know this because you're loyal, and you've been listening for a while, and in fact, three years ago, episode 798, titled How Most of His Revenue Comes From Probate Leads, Brandon was on the show. So if you want to learn more about his best ever advice and what he was focused on then, feel free to listen to episode 798. Brandon is a wholesaler and he hosts a real estate meetup. His team now grosses north of $1 million annually and is continuing to grow. And today we're going to be talking about firing yourself to grow a business. So today is a Skill Set Sunday episode and we're going to talk about firing yourself to grow a business. But first, Brandon, how about you just catch us up to speed on what you've been up to for the last three years and then let's roll right into firing yourself to grow a business. Yes. Thanks again, Joe. And I'm super excited to be back on. I think that first interview we did, I didn't even think I was worthy of uh, being on your show. And look how things have transpired over the years. So that first year I was by myself. I was doing everything. It was a one-man band. Again, I mentioned previously, I was a Tom Kroll student and he told me very early on the first hire can be a solid virtual assistant best decision I ever made, even when I didn't have the money to pay her. I found a way through the years, especially early on. She was my first core hire that really allowed me to establish my business, keep my marketing consistent, keep track of my KPIs. She knows more about the systems in our business than anybody else in it. And she's now a very well-paid administrative assistant, if you will. So that year- Where's she um, based? She was based in the Philippines. Okay. And she was the youngest five siblings that had all moved out of the Philippines into the US, some elsewhere. Uh-huh. And it was her dream to move. And we were able to help her do that, increase her rate from $5 an hour to $20 an hour to support her transition to Toronto. Wow. Now she is getting her citizenship in Toronto and we were able to help her do that. Very cool. All around. Very cool. Yeah, for sure. So later in that year, remember, 
probate saved me because I was sending a lot of direct mail, postcards, and then I found through a podcast, which is always great to expand your horizons and listen to other information as I would drive for dollars. I found that podcast that talked about the probate process. I put that in place. I was rocking and rolling with that. And then in the Tom Kroll group, Brent Daniels, who's now about to call him Mr. TTP, but Mr. Talk to People, Brent Daniels, <laughs> was very early on talking about his game-changing strategy where he's just straight up cold calling, not sending any direct mail. And because he was such a go-giver early on, I reached out to him and he gave me everything. He gave me scripts, the KPIs, the systems. And I put that in place starting at the end of 2016. So we interviewed in September that year. By the end of that year, I had started transitioning to cold calling. So by early 17, I was kind of already off to the races cold calling before TTP was even a thing, before he even came out with a course, before everybody started using that cold calling script. I started at that time. And I was still kind of doing a lot of stuff myself. I was the acquisition manager, the marketing manager, of course, with Nicole, my assistant. But that year, 2017, of changing my channel to mainly cold calling, we were still sending some probate letters. I got to about 200K in revenue that year in 2017. End of that year, I realized that I needed to get out of my own way and fire myself because at most, it was a good week if I sent 10 offers to people that I had spoken to. The end of that year, that November, right around Thanksgiving, I went on and hired an acquisition manager to replace myself. So they only focused on making offers and following up. That next year, 2018, we did just shy of a million dollars in revenue. Actually, and so in that business, I did just shy of a million but I'd done a few other deals. So I grossed for the year a million and we're already tracking at eight fifty nine hundred for the year. So wow, definitely blast through that this year and continue to grow. Congratulations on that. What are the things that changed once you stepped aside? Yeah, it goes back to the beginning. One of those first books was The E-Myth. It was stop working so much in your business and work on your business. So by having somebody that was dedicated to making offers and following up, everybody gets an offer that I didn't have to worry about doing all the follow-up because I was horrible at it. I was going to closings. I was going to showings. I was going to meetups and networking. And it was scary because you're taking on an individual that their success is tied to your productivity in your business and you have to pay them. And a little bit more expensive than $5 an hour in the Philippines. (laughs) So once I made that jump and was like, hey, I know that this isn't working with me being the sole person doing all the following up and making offers. Once I just made that leap of faith that somebody else would be, even if they're 80% of me, they'd probably be two to three to five times more productive than me. Mm -hmm. And once I just kind of made that switch in my head, hired that person, jumped out there, it's exactly what happened. And the crazy thing is the first hire that I had, I mean, they're not with us no more, but even that person, she was maybe 40 to 50% as effective as me in closing deals and analyzing deals, but she still was producing more than me because she was solely focused on making offers and following up. Right. Completely dedicated to it. So it certainly 
can be a scary thing to bring on someone and now you are paying them and there's always uncertainty on am I going to get more deals? Am I just going to be paying a lot of money and then not getting any return? So how did you structure the compensation and how much were they paid that first hire? We talked about the VA, but this other hire. For sure. So I started off $20 an hour, basically the same as the cold callers and the expectation that they work 30 hours a week. There was a point where we did a flat fee commission. Actually, there was a point where we did a percentage commission of deals. And we got to the point, when I say we, I brought on a business partner when I started doing some of the cold calling early on. Once we kind of started to see that our costs were always fluctuating each and every month, we actually made the decision to kind of put them on salary mm-hmm. at that point and just pay a flat amount per month. So I want to say it was $2,500 a month for the cold callers and $3,500 a month for the acquisition manager. And then we may pay them a spot bonus here and there, but we were able to then understand exactly what our costs were each and every month and not be so up and down depending on how many deals got closed. And honestly, there's certain people that want that percentage commission for deals closed, but there's other people. And honestly, the majority of our folks like that stability and security that each month I know that I'm making X amount of dollars to support my family. So it's actually a win-win for both of us to kind of go to a flat fee base rate salary for each month for each team member. And during the transition period of when you hire this first person, who was focused on closing deals and analyzing deals. What were you doing during that period? Yeah, it's kind of a fuzzy period. <laughs> Honestly, it was so new. I think for most of that time, I was just making sure that everything around the deals got closed. So we had a sales manager at a point that was just talking to buyers, but there's still an operation involved because my acquisition manager was doing just getting deals under contract over the phone. And the crazy thing is, the crazier is that my acquisition manager, who's a absolute stud, lives in Mexico. He's a former Marine, U.S. citizen, expat, living in Mexico, dialing in and following up and making offers here in Atlanta. And there's still that process of needing to go to the properties, check out the property, get pictures, do a showing, make sure everything's situated, going to closing with the closing attorney, just making sure that the rest of the after going under contract happened and got closed. That was probably my primary focus at that time. And since then, I've had an opportunity to start to help others that are interested in real estate, start a local meetup group. So now I'm really focused kind of on building that and giving back to other people here in Atlanta with my monthly meetup group. And how do you determine what areas that you should focus on now that generate the best return on your time? The monthly meetup and everything that I'm doing with the coaching is still somewhat new. So for me, that's kind of my primary focus, but I'm only able to do that because I spent so much time up front. And let me also add this in there. Early on, I spent a lot of time working with my acquisition manager, looking at the deals, helping him see the numbers as I saw them, helping him understand the areas because, of course, he's not able to see it. He's been here and visited a few times, but 
making sure that I'm pouring into him and empowering him to understand the bigger picture in the business, even to the point where today, for instance, we actually just brought on a new sales manager. My acquisition manager is leading our team meetings. He's making sure everything is getting lined up to go to closing. All those things that I was doing in that 2018 period, like last year stuff, working with him to help him see it. Now he can do it in my absence and lead the team, make sure everything is going well, call out anything that I need to focus attention on. So for me now, by having that meetup and networking with others, I'm actually understanding what's working well in certain areas. I'm getting tips and tricks from peers and colleagues. We've had some great speakers to come out. Brent Daniels, of course, has come out. Jamil Danji's coming and working with them, speaking to them and understanding how we can continue to be agile in our marketplace has actually brought a lot of value back to my core business so that I'm making sure that we're on the right track. We're not getting stagnant. We're not just using the same acquisition channels and outreach and going after the same list or the same automations. I'm spending time cultivating that community here, but it's also helping me build my network and find out some other things that are working in other markets and how we can apply them in our business so we can continue to sustain and be ahead of the curve as things change in this ever-changing market. When would be the best time to make that first hire, not talking about administrative assistant, but acquisitions person? Because I imagine when you started out, it wasn't the right time to make the hire because you're starting out the company. But somewhere along the way, it did make sense. What is that point? That's going to be tough to answer kind of on the whole. It's somewhat going to depend on the person and what resources you have. But generally, I'd say if you're at the point where you're doing one to two deals each month or even every other month, you've kind of got the hang of it. And you can budget out basically three months. Here's the other piece. Even if you're not doing that many deals, but you could budget out paying how to teach them or you have a mentor that you can help train that new hire and you can budget out three months to six months of pay for that person, that's probably a good time. Honestly, the soonest you could possibly do it, I wish I had done it at an earlier point in time. Mm. Soonest that you could do it, I think is ideal. But even with that pay, I say that it's tricky because if somebody really has a certain amount of resources, like I have all the knowledge and the skill set, but I don't have the money and I go out and network with somebody that potentially wants to work for some sweat equity and commission only, maybe you can find that person even sooner without having the ability to pay them. So it's kind of what resources you have, what type of talent you can find, but ideally you will want to find an employee mindset person, not another entrepreneur, somebody that's going to stay with you. And you're going to want to try to budget out, I'd say at least three to six months, three on the low end, if you have it really dialed in, because that person should start to produce enough to support their pay within that second, third, fourth month. Will you elaborate on the employee mindset mentality versus entrepreneurial mindset mentality? And if that comes from personal experience with hires that did or didn't work out? Oh yeah, for sure. (laughs) Everybody, not everybody, but once you get into that mode of kind of hiring different people, you'll start to see a trend. And honestly, one of those first acquisition managers that we brought on 
one of the ladies was a personal trainer and they kind of sold insurance on the side and a real hustler and a real sharp, great communication skills. And I just knew that they were going to be great. They were going to be a rock star. They were hungry, but she was so wrapped up in her vision and wanting to do her own thing that she was splitting time and attention and didn't really get ingrained and dialed into being an active member of our team. And it showed in the performance. I've had an agent come on board as well, and they were trying to look at different exit strategies and want to wholesale everything. I can list this and I can do that because I have so much experience. So the people that I've been with us the longest, and I have a cold caller, woman named Sharon from Louisville, Kentucky. She's been with us for two and a half years, cold calling. It's gruesome work, right? Like, <laughs> you know, you're getting negativity thrown at you her oh, yeah. day in, day out. But she's from the old school. She's used to kind of putting in her time. She loves consistency. She shows up to work every day. She's the hardest working woman that I know. And she just wants a steady paycheck. She wants stability. That's the employee mindset that you got to go after. That will stay with you. So you get that great return on your investment, and which is your time, right? The time that I poured into training her, it's paid off in spades. It's something that a lot of people don't talk about when they talk about looking for team members. I'm glad you did. I'm in the process of hiring for a couple positions, and it's something that I was waffling back and forth on because there are a couple candidates that were more entrepreneurial and I'm not going to go that direction because they were a little too entrepreneurial and it's for the exact reasons why you mentioned because I want people who will stick around for the long term versus learn something and then bounce in a short period of time. Right. Like you talk about, it's that time. The time you put into training them, you can't get that back. So you want that to last and pay you back for at least a year or two, at Mm -hmm. least at minimum, right? How can the best ever listeners learn more about what you're doing and get in touch with you? Yeah, for sure. So I love to connect with people and interact with people via social at IMB, as in Brandon Barnes, my last name, B-A-R-N-E-S-N-E-S on Instagram. You can also search that on Facebook and that'll go to my business page as well as my website is imbbarns.com. And I'd love to connect with anybody, especially if you're in Atlanta, to come out to REI Live Atlanta monthly meetup. Awesome, Brandon. Well, thanks a lot for being on the show talking about how to step aside and allow others to grow your business and overseeing that process, putting people in position to be successful, having the right people in that place, making sure the two things you want to have before hiring making sure you have the resources to do so and making sure that you can find the talent and find the right type of talent. So thanks for being on the show. Hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, Joe. Best ever listeners, go to BEC20.com. Look in the top left-hand corner. You can earn 15% as an affiliate. You can join the affiliate program and participate in the conference that way and basically earn a free ticket to the conference BEC20.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. 
And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.